Brenna Clark, are you ready? Ready? What? What are? What are you trying to do right now? This. This is my spooky introduction voice. But I don't understand. What? What are you trying to accomplish? I'm trying to accomplish letting everyone know that they're about to take a step into fun fiction. Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly podcast about movies, podcasts, books, everything, and the fan fiction that it inspires. I am your host, one of them. I Hi, what's up? I'm Scotty Moore. And I am your other host. I rolled a nine, so I am pretty confident my name is Brenna Clark. What's up, guys? Gr- greetings, Brenna. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm pumped because we get to play D&D today. Oh god, I'm so nervous. It's fine. You did fine last time and I did it. Don't t- lie. I did it. Yes, you did. It's fine. Um I mean, me putting in emotional music may have added to it, but it's good. Uh, cause we're talking about the adventure zone again this week, which, uh, I guess it's kind of, it's just getting me prepped because they're doing a live show at Dragon Con. Uh, oh, I'm so ready, B. I'm so uh, hyped for it. I'm so jealous. Like, I want to cry right now just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no. Uh, my, also, I guess we should also announce to anybody out there who is going to Dragon Con, I'm going to be a panel boy. I'm going to be doing some panels. Uh, I've got one Friday night called Pod Tank, where you get to pitch your podcast and then we tear it apart like Shark Tank. And then I'm on the Ask a Creator Anything panel on Monday. So if you guys want to come hang out, make sure to come see me at Dragon Con. But also, when they announced, apparently Travis has a oh. Q&A. Oh, Travis has a Q&A one of those days. And the whole time I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling me... I could probably get, like, behind the scenes with Travis. Oh, my Travi boy. Please give me the Travis. I need it. I, I'm gonna, I may not be able to talk to you for a, a little, like, just a little bit. What if I get, what if I get him to call you on, call you on your cell phone? I'll throw up. Call you when you need some, Trav. Call you on the... (laughs) That's exactly what will happen. You have no idea. You would answer the phone. It would be like, is this Brenna? (laughs) Either I would throw up or have a a heart attack. Like the phone number would be... My phone number would get blocked because you're like, I know he's trying to do a good thing, but also I will get dehydrated from losing all of my fluids. I just... I can't... But he would be so positive about it that I just... He'd be encouraging about the vomit. He'd just be like, "Why? I see you're vomiting and that's really good. Get that out of you, man. There's... Get the sin out. You're doing so good, sweetie. I can hear it. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god uh, like you, uh, you do a dry heave and she's like oh oh nope nope come on get it out get it out there's a little bit left i know there is mm-hmm. and once again we're gonna try our damnedest not to spoil anything for oh, all of the other uh, yeah i know we're back on that <laughs> where we cannot talk about anything else i do want to and I guess this wouldn't get into spo- spoiler territory, but I do want to discuss the one lie that I had to tell both you and my, oh my girlfriend God. about a certain Ooh. scene. 
We can't talk about that yet, can we, though? It was in... I think we could discuss the lunar interlude after Crystal Kingdom, where the umbrella shoots out the letters L-U-P, at which point both of you were just like, I wonder who that is, and I was yeah. like... It's not a who, it's a what. It's an acronym for something you've never seen before. And the whole time my body's like, <laughs> Because you, and good on you for not spoiling one of the best things. Yeah, ever. I tried my but best. Well, not only that, I wanted to make sure it was like a surprise of like, oh, that's what that is. I did not want you guys to the whole time just be like, oh, okay, that's the payoff. Yeah, well, I don't know that I would have guessed it exactly, yeah. but definitely not knowing that it was, it was that what it, thinking that it was a what was. God, this better. is hard. I know. It's, <laughs> when I was trying to make my notes, I was like, what can I and can't I talk about? I am going to be so excited when we get to um, the, the final the, arts. Yeah, because I can finally just spew everything that I've been. Like, I've read so much good fic, but it it's a ship that we're not to yet, and I can't yeah. talk about uh, it. Oh, man, no, um, my favorite is now it's gotten to a point with Emily that I will just, like, she'll be like, oh, wait a minute, is she this, or is this this, or is this, and I'll just, like, stare forward and keep driving and not say a word. And she'll be like, you're not going to tell me anything, are you? And I'm like, no, no I'm not. Just good don't on ask. you, sir. I refuse to. That's what you have to do, because or else we're just going to keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. See, what I what I really liked about these arcs, though, is this is where it feels like Griffin went from goofy DM into turning this into a storytelling podcast. Yes. And, like, the ultimate way, the ultimate thing I can really refer to is the ending of fucking Pedal to the Metal. Oh. Oh. <laughs> My sweet, sweet lesbians. <laughs> yeah, because I remember that happening. Because, like, the ending of Rockport just has, like, this really epic kind of action ending that you would expect out of a D&D campaign. Then right. the ending of Pedals to the Metal happened, and I was like, wait, hold on. Is he going to do this at the end of every arc? Because fuck you, Griffin. I know, just take my heart out and stomp on it. What the heck? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of deserves... Because, like, Petals is easily the longest arc they have. But the weird thing I realized, it don't seem that long. No, because... And it's amazing. Like, I'm not I'm not really an action-y type person. I, well, okay, I like Fast and the Furious. <laughs> and that's kind of... It's like Fast and the Furious and Mad Max and, like, yeah. Mario Kart all together. Well, I think and that's, it, Griffin actually said, like, he was watching Fast and the Furious Part 5, faster -er 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 -er, and furious -er 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 -er. and from that, he was inspired to do this. It's, I don't know, it's brilliant, like, all the, yeah. the cars that he, well, the wagons that he came up with, mm -hmm. and the, <laughs> the, I don't know, and, well, Look, don't. Don't give it all to Griffin, because our boys came up with some fucking sick stunts during that race. Are we are, are we about to break him out? You've been waiting to break him out. Break out my... Fa the If I ever got an Adventure Zone tattoo, the one character I would get in... Yo, what up? 
It's me. Let's go eat some oats. Geral is my fucking spirit animal. Yes. It was probably, I think he had like maybe one or two beforehand where you're like, huh, that's kind of goofy. I didn't realize you could do that. But Geral is the first time where Taco really came into his own of, I'm going to break out some ridiculous shit and you guys are going to have to deal with it. Because the minute he said Phantom Steed, you can basically assume what it is based off the name. But I just remember sitting there like, wait, that's a fucking thing? Right. I don't, in the fact that they just kept adding things onto him as it went. Mm-hmm. Like, first he was a unicorn, and then, oh, wait, he's got two horns. <laughs> oh, I'm whatever Taco wants me to be like. And then you see me <laughs> move my finger, and now he's got two horns. Amazing. Yeah, Geralt's probably in my top five moments of the entire Adventure Zone. I would... He's pretty high on up there for me, too. Yeah. But I think one of my other favorite parts happened in this arc where um, Merle had some sexy time with some plants. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. I straight up did. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I, well, I don't my know favorite... why, but I attached to it pretty heavily. I was like, okay. <laughs> my favorite part about it is the fact that, you like, we forget because it's a podcast and, you know, we just assume these are our friends now. That's their fucking dad. That's dad, <laughs> and he's, like, sexing up some some bonds and it's like daddy no (laughs) dad please don't call him daddy in this moment please (laughs) oh sorry dad please don't try to fuck a plant yeah that's (laughs) the thing about pedals to the metal is the fact that because so much of it is the race that you almost forget all the great moments like like when they're like okay we can't kill anybody oh my god and they slay all of those people (laughs) i cleft him in twain and then griffin's like so what do you gotta do with the body? Oh, I didn't. I didn't kill him. You said cleft in no. twain, sir. Non-lethal damage. <laughs> and they throw uh, that one guy off the cliff. Yeah, like, exactly. That that oh. moment was fantastic because that was the first time where Griffin was like, you know, I feel like we need to force these guys to think about what they're doing as characters as opposed to just killing everybody so he gave them a challenge and they immediately fucking failed at it well it's hard my first instinct would be to kill them too because i mean it's a it's a it's a game you know like what are you gonna do talk nicely to them no thank you just die I had the same problem. Like, you cannot, as a DM, you cannot get your people to do what they want ever. Because, like, when I did the first campaign of Quiesel Corp before it became a book, and they met Chris Angle, the wizard who turns them, like, makes them go into each other's body, my concept behind that was literally, like, I'm going to give each character a different character sheet. That way they can understand what it's like to be the other character. No, they were like, we're going to go find Chris Angle and murder him until he turns his back. And I'm like, what the fuck, guys? (laughs) I mean, it's the easiest solution and the most rewarding, I feel like, because you, you won. You did the thing. Yeah, you killed that horrible human being who was trying to teach you about friendship and working together. Dude. Oh, My Little Pony is for learning about friendship, not (laughs) D&D. Oh, man. You know what I... What what struggle I had coming into this was the fact that I think on the last episode we talked about 
how um, Here There Be Gerblins was my second least favorite arc, and right. I still maintain that. And my first or my first least favorite is Crystal Kingdom. Yeah. But then I started thinking, like, I, I remember seeing somebody online being like, you can't have a, le- you can't have one you hate. You can only have least favorite. Because even with, like, not liking Crystal Kingdom that much, I have a laundry list of just the best moments. Yeah, I have a pretty long list about it, too. It wasn't my favorite either, mostly because I hate Lucas, and I think he's the biggest, like, tool ever. But... Lucas is Lucas is the anti Angus McDonald. That's what they are. Like Luke, I I, I don't want to make this comparison because I know how much you love him. But Lucas is the Draco Malfoy. I'm gonna murder to... you. <laughs> I'm sorry to Angus's Harry Potter. That's not. Oh my God, no! Just no. You're so wrong about this. We're gonna move on because this is not what we're talking about. But Harry Potter is not Angus McDonald. No. Well, well, speaking of Van Gogh, at least we got him back. I guess. What? Don't I guess this? You got to see <laughs> Angus come back in this moment where Griffin was just sitting there like, you know he was sitting there like, well, I gotta bring Angus back somehow. Fuck it. I guess he just now works for the Bureau for some fucking reason. Well, he's a smart kid. And like, where did he come from? You know? And that's a question that we never got answered. He could be, like, Lucretia's kid, for all we know. I still love the the fan fiction idea you brought up last time, which was about him being the illegitimate son of Barry Blue Jeans, and his name was Angus Jorts McDonald. Yeah, that's my favorite theory, but there Mm -hmm. are others. Actually, I read... I read one the other day that uh, posited that Angus was actually a dragon in disguise. Yes, I read that too. I was, I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so do you have do you have a favorite Crystal Kingdom moment? Because mine, I thought I knew what it was until I started reading more and realized what it actually was. That's really hard. Um, I'll say there's two. Um, sides of the spectrum, I guess. And the first one would be Noelle and us realizing who she is and where she came from. Yeah. And then the other side of it would be when <laughs> they eat the the Philosopher's Stone. Okay, and- thank you, because that was absolutely... Because originally, Merle getting his damn arm chopped off... Oh, yeah, well... ...was my number one, until I remembered, wait a minute, isn't that the arc where Magnus just fucking eats a rock? Yeah, and then he <laughs> they turn his bottom half into a slide in order to get the rock out of him. I see it like the fucking gumball machines. You have to pay like 25 cents and it just tumbles out the end. It's the most disturbing imagery. Mm -hmm. But but the best imagery. It was beautiful. And who would think to do that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, what I love about my thing with Crystal Kingdom is it almost feels like the Age of Ultron of the series where it's, we need to build up a lot of lore and fast. Right. Let's go. Robots can have human souls in them. There are different planes that you can look at through these glass. All of this. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Okay, Griffin. Well, and I I think he did it 
in a good and interesting way because Lucas is a fucking freak and has all of these like random rooms, like an elevator room in yeah. his lab. Can I just say my favorite thing about the elevator room is someone on uh, YouTube made a video called are Taz Griffin and my brother, my brother and me, Griffin, even the same person? And there's an old clip of Mabim Bam where Griffin is talking about how terrified he is of elevators what? and terrified of them, like, breaking down and dropping and killing people. And then it immediately cuts to him talking about, like, upsy your lifting friend. Oh, that poor baby's trying to get over his fears through, through the adventure zone. I don't think he's trying to get over the fears. I think he's trying to impart that fear onto us. Maybe. But the only thing that I'm scared of, to be honest, is hodgepodge. That's it. Oh, hodgepodge. Yes. I mean, I I just envision, because that's totally something that I would get myself into as a kid, taking quizzes like that. So Mm -hmm. his, like, murdering vibe that he has going on i'm just like no thank you go away now good old murdery good old murdery hodgepodge yeah the the minute that uh hodgepodge was just like we are going to turn up the levels like because he was able to tell that they weren't kids and then the flames start shooting out i was like holy shit griffin and then thanks buddy when he was trying to cheat and he cut off the the stone of far speech and was like now we're alone, and it's like, uh, no. <laughs> Make it stop. Make it stop. The worst is imagining Angus on the other side, just like, oh, sirs, I know. sirs, could you please respond, sirs? The thing that I really admire about the Crystal Kingdom, I think this is when Griffin, like, hit the music hard and, like, effects yes. hard. Because Hodgepodge's like- voice was amazing, and then all of that singing stuff yeah well see like he tried it a little bit with um pedals to the metal because he put in like the pauldron klaxon right, sounds right but then he went full on in crystal kingdom and then it just kept getting better and better and better and i, I don't know I, the first time that it happened i guess yeah it was the singing i thought that i don't know i thought i was dying or something because i was in the what? car and it just started, and I was like, "Is this an? Is this an angel? Am I? Did I have a car wreck? I don't. What is happening?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, apparently, that's a fucking robot. I thought Griffin like hired somebody. Wait, what? But no, he used. Yeah, like there's a. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a way of making like audio, like making a voice on your computer and making it sing. And that's how Griffin got that voice. Oh my god. And that makes it all the fucking creepier. He is such a revelation. That blows my mind. I thought it was a straight up person. Yeah. Oh shit. Also, I might be lying, by the way. I don't know. I read something. Oh my once god. And I think that's what it said. <laughs> um, you can't lie on a podcast, Scotty. What the heck? I believe I can. I can lie as much as I want. Okay. Um,. The Adventure Zone is terrible. See? Hey! Hey! Um, now, I will say... Ah, shit. This is gonna be a tough character to discuss without getting into spoiler territory. I know what you're about to say. 
Are you talking about everyone's favorite angel of death, Kravitz? I am, yes. <laughs> I love that man. I love him so much. I'm, oh shit, we can't even, oh, there's nothing. We can no. talk about nothing with no. him. We could just look at the audience and be like, you got, it's coming. Y'all it's, just wait. Just Kravitz wait for coming it. for you. We can't even talk, because, like, the thing <laughs> doesn't happen until, like, another interlude, right? Yeah, it's not the next, because I think it might be the interlude between... Yeah, it has to be the interlude between um, the next two arcs. So next episode, it's just going to be <laughs> nothing but us screaming into the microphone like, Kravitz! Yep, that's about it. I can't now, wait. There is one character. No, there is one character we can discuss, and I don't know how you feel about him, but he is one of my low-key favorite characters, and it's, of course, Garfield the Deals Warlock. I forgot. Garfield's not even on my list. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because this was his, because, like, the first Lunar Interlude, I don't think he was there. The Fantasy Costco just had, like, some dude, and then uh, it was based off of a Bim Bam bit, and Griffin just brought him over. And it, what's so funny to me is I always see them talk about how people always envision him as Garfield the cat, which I do too, because that's the only Garfield that I know. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this. I, I read a fan theory online, and it was about Garfield, and it was, have you ever noticed how at the first lunar interlude, it might have been the first or second lunar interlude when they go to that fair... Everyone sounds like Garfield the Deals Warlock. <laughs> and then they were just like, what if Garfield isn't just one being? He is multiple beings that Lucretia hired to work on the planet. And they are just like, they're like Legion. We are Garfield. That would actually make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then, ah, oh shit, I can't reveal the next part. Damn it, I, there was more to this, but it's Spoilers. See, it's like, we can't talk about anything because everybody's not inoculated yet. Painted yourself into a corner, I see. Always. Freaking always. That's right, Brenna. But I, you got the, you finally, got, and I guess it's come out since the previous episode, but you got your, uh, you got the, bro- the book in, right? The, yes. Hear the Yes. Yes, Doug. I finally got mine in. I'm super hype, and I'm even more hyped because they're doing, like, more, because they're yes. going to do Rockport, that and was... I can't wait to see how Jenkins is fucking created. When I saw that, the, um, the back of the board, bleh, the back of the book, when it said, um, coming soon, murder on the Rockport Express, so I was like, do what now? You promise? <laughs> you promise me? Um, but Brenna, here's the thing. I've never said this live before, but I can't read. (gasps) What? I I know I can't read, which is weird to say on a podcast based around me reading things. Well, at least you can look at pictures. And at least I can have people read things to me. Or Over at... Audible.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Audible.com is the website where you can get over 100,000 audiobooks delivered straight to your phone. You can get stuff like uh, Queasel Corp, Queasel Corp Risen, and BS vs. the Gods. My books are available on there. You can get... Brenna, what have you been audibling? Well... Audibling. Let me me just tell you 
that I am audibling a book called NPCs by Drew Haynes right now, which is the background characters in a D&D campaign having their own adventure. Oh, shit. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah make sure to go to audibletrial.com slash BS Network, and you can get a free 30-day trial right now on behalf of the BS Network. It supports us. You get a free audiobook, whether it be mine, whether it be NPCs, any book you want, by going to audibletrial.com slash BS Network. Now, B, it's time to get... To the fan fiction corner. I don't know why it's just the corner. It should be the whole show, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it is called fun fiction after all, but... Yeah, fair point. Um, And I want to start off this week, and I feel bad because it's a very good... Like, this whole damn fan fiction is really good, but I'm going to have to start it almost in media res, so we won't go over by five billion hours. Uh, five billion?! <laughs> but it is called Angus MacDonald and the Case of the no! Mysterious... What? It happened! What? It finally happened! Wait, did we both pick the same one? We did! Okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. How about this? Since it's such a long thing, I will read the first three chapters, you read the final three. This will be an entire segment dedicated to Angus MacDonald in the case of the mysterious Butter Wyvern. Okay, that is perfectly fine. That'll work? Okay, okay. <laughs> Chapter one. Taco didn't sign up for this shit. Although, to be fair, none of them did. They didn't sign up for anything, come to think of it, and... Okay, he's pretty sure that's illegal. Job negotiations aren't, from what little he knows, supposed to come down to a handshake and the vague threat of obliteration from the space-time continuum upon poor quarterly reviews. That's definitely illegal. Like, sue the shit out of your moon boss illegal. He asks Kravitz, who says he'll get back to him as soon as he finishes up on his JD in interdimensional lunar labor law. Taco thanks him. The point is, this wasn't in any contract he may or may not have signed. This, of course, being the Neverwinter Tri-County Fair featuring the lady at the front gushes, thrills, excitement, and three types of pig prizes. Taco does not know what a pig prize is and does not deign to ask. I get it, he says. Predictably, nobody is listening to him. That's never stopped him before. The director's birthday is important. I get it. She does a lot. She usually keeps us from getting murdered. Usually, Merle agrees absently, pinning a first-time-at-the-fair badge to his chest. The thing is, we're better than this. We're bigger than this, and we're... I have to be honest, you know that about me. Buying a birthday present? Us? He holds out his hands. I don't think we're qualified. Don't you dare, short man. He swats Merle's hand away. Merle, looking affronted, pins the offending badge onto his own damn chest. Magnus wrenches his eyes away from the cotton candy cart. You heard Killian. Everybody else was busy. It's us or it's nothing. He looks into Taco's eyes. Do you want that, Taco? Do you want that for Lucretia? Taco narrows his eyes. He doesn't voice his suspicions that Magnus has spent the last month and a half begging Killian to let them buy the Bureau's collective birthday present at the greatest fair the world will ever see, but he thinks them very pointedly. Magnus appears unmoved. Besides, Magnus continues, somebody's got to protect the kid. 
Thank you, sir, but I very much doubt that I'll need your protection. I am both a very capable detective and, thanks to Mr. Taco's dedicated tutelage, a competent wizard. Angus gives Taco a smile so guileless that it can only be filled with hidden guile. Taco feels a headache coming on. Not that he doesn't like the kid, he does, in the same way that you like a distant cousin or that cat, you know, the gross one that lives in the alley and likes to burrow headfirst into your trash cans, but damn it if its spots aren't cute. And he definitely understands why Killian sent Angus with them. They need a pair of eyes making sure they don't blow their whole operation budgets on deep-fried fantasy Oreos. Besides, he guesses, who better to have along on a mystery present hunt than the world's most annoying mystery kid? It's just... fairs. They set him on edge. They have for a while now. All right. Magnus, who has somewhat, somehow acquired cotton candy in the last 20 seconds, says, What's the plan? Well, we get in, Merle growls. We get the present. We buy the present. And we get some funnel cake. Magnus cheers. Sirs? Angus says, clenching his jaw in a way Taco is sure he thinks looks authoritative. I think before we make any impulsive decisions, we should carefully appraise our choices. After all, it wouldn't be a good... He says, trailing off slowly under Merle's funnel cake fevered gaze. To hurt the director's feelings. Merle shakes his head, sighing. Kids these days. Taco puts a hand to his forehead. Ango is right. Although, God help me if I ever say those words again. Angus's face is an intriguing mix of crushed and delighted. We get the wrong present, and we're on the director and Killian's very literal kill list for the next 800 years. Merle eyes Angus thoughtfully. Taco hesitates, but no. Fucking morals. Listen, as much as I want to, we are not letting a five-year-old take the fall for us. I'm ten, Angus says, just quiet enough to ignore. Magnus is finishing, finishes licking the rest of the cotton candy off of his fingers. The aesthetic-induced headache Taco had been nursing for the last year grows worse. All right, he says in his leader voice. We do this the smart way. The Angus way. We look at everything. We think and we buy the best present possible. And then, Merle says, sounding a little mollified, we get funnel cake. A great plan, sir. Angus says cheerfully. He raises his hand for a high five. Magnus enthusiastically returns it. Magnus hefts rail splitter over his shoulder. We got this. He grins, earnest and big and too honest to face head on. Taco has to turn away just for a moment. Magnus doesn't notice. Taco feels something tug on his skirt. Sir? Angus says, his eyes sparkling with suspiciously genuine innocence. I promise you, this mission will be a success. Uh, too late, kid, Taco says, ruffling Angus's curls. Too late. Chapter 2. Merle is bored in 30 seconds flat, which is a new record. All right, the kid is saying, scribbling something down in that tiny notebook Taco got him for his half-birthday. Let's be smart about this. There are five rows in merchant stalls, with 60 stalls between them. There are 10 wor leather working stalls, four carpentry stalls. I, I thought you might like that, sir and about ten people selling outerwear for the mature woman, which I thought Madam Director might appreciate, as long as we don't tell her where we got it from. <laughs> it looks like Angus is just getting warmed up. Merle snorts, too soft for the kid to hear, and wanders over to the nearest stalls. He doesn't get why they can't just get something like... Like this carved dolphin. It's cute and small and only costs two gold. 
won't take up much space in Lucretia's office, and won't keep them looking for the whole afternoon. He'd love a wooden dolphin, if anyone ever bothered to ask. Merle doesn't really get detective work. Not that he's stupid. He's got above-mediocre wisdom stats. He was the top of his seminary. He knows all the verses in his extreme teen, Bible, di, eh, extreme teen Bible by heart. Sure, he uses the hard part of his skull a lot more than the squishy gray stuff, but put him up against any dwarf on the beach, and he'll come out ahead nine times out of ten. It's just the investigative stuff. The twisty clues and the cryptic notes and the Victorian pastiche and makes him go all cold. He'd take good old intuition over any of Angus's carefully plotted out metrics any day of the week. Luck and faith. They haven't let him down yet, and he doubt they will today. Merle looks up, and slowly he smiles. Maybe especially today. Magnus and Taco are bent over Angus's notebook, nodding with unusually thoughtful expressions, as Angus explains why he thinks that the silk merchants are much more likely to have durable scarves than those dealing in cashmere. Merle sidles up back to the group, keeping his expression as neutral as he can manage. He's buzzing with the idea, though, and can't keep the smirk from curling up the corners of his mouth. It takes a little charade work to detach Magnus from the group. He motions to the side with his head, and Magnus blinks at him. He gestures to the spot next to him, and Magnus points at Taco. He mimes it in dwarvish sign, and Magnus looks incredibly offended. But after an excruciating amount of work, Magnus is as casual as an elephant at Merle's side. Listen, Magnus, he says, and right now he would be wrapping an arm around Magnus's broad shoulders if he could reach that high. We were built for bigger stuff than this. We're doers, not thinkers. We get down to it, man. We're in the action. Magnus peers at a sp stack of stuffed animals. I'd like to think I have a certain amount of emotional intelligence. He raises his voice, yelling so that Angus and Taco can hear him a few stalls down. Do you think Lucretia would want a giant stuffed dog? Angus gives him a thumbs down. What I'm saying, Merle says, pulling Magnus away from the display case, is that we can let Angus and Taco and the rest of those Bureau eggheads deal with their clues and evidence. Me and you, we've got better ways of handling things. The look of horror dawns slowly but surely across Magnus's face like a befuddled sunset. You want... you want us to kill Lucretia? What? No! Merle says. I mean, we gotta think bigger than clues, bigger than what Madam Director says she would want. We gotta get her what she really wants. The horror only gets more horrified. You want us to seduce Lucretia? Merle pauses for what he sure is an uncomfortably long moment, but manages to steer it back. No, Magnus. I want to get her something money can't buy. Something, something the woman who has everything would never be able to get. Still not seduction. Magnus looks thoughtful. Her lost youth? The rest of the re relics? The If Magnus hesitates, Merle doesn't catch it. The red robes? Merle shakes his head. He points slowly towards the signpost. At the very top above the cheery directions to the fudge spectacular, the catch the halfling games, to the miss half orc competition, is the prize. The beauty. The one thing the director. The one thing no living thinking being would ever think to have. The... the butter wyvern? Merle smiles in grim satisfaction. The butter wyvern. Why in the world, asked Magnus, high king of not getting the picture, would Lucretia want a wyvern that's been carved out of butter? Merle gives Magnus a lo knowing look. You know the director. She's a ca classy lady. She's got art. She's got clothes. 
Everybody's got to look at her and go, I know what to get that dame. A jewel or a, a golden scepter. Nobody's going to think outside the box. Nobody's going to let her know what they think, who she is inside. You think there's a butter wyvern inside Lucretia? Magnus doesn't sound entirely convinced. It's a metaphor, Merle says gravely. No, Magnus. Yes, says Merle. No, says Magnus, but he's slipping. For Lucretia, Merle implores, and Magnus crumbles. They're gone before the other two even think to look. Chapter 3 On the whole, Magnus tries pretty hard not to fuck up. That's not to say he always succeeds. Magnus isn't the type of person to put on airs about himself. I mean, the balance sheet of his life will show a long, long list of good deeds, but more than a few bad ones, too. He's not sure whether or not the Raven Queen will take it was in the name of good as an excuse from the little mythologies read stuff like that doesn't usually fly, but he doesn't let it keep him up at night. Instead, every morning he wakes up and decides that whatever happened that day, he's going to try as hard as he can to make the world a little better today. He's really not sure how he's going to justify this one, though. I mean, the Butter Wyvern isn't the fair's most popular attraction, despite its primo real estate atop the golden sign posts. The board attendant, a pimpled kindred teenager who shrugs off the tickets they try to give her, tells them that the artist does the same thing every year. And it's like, the first time it was cool. Second time, great, you've got a niche. But now it's like, it's been seven years, Aunt Tilda, get a new hobby. <laughs> they see what she means, though. Clearly, the people of Neverwinter have never se seen more than enough tributes to a fermented dairy to last a lifetime. The tent looks as though nobody has set foot in it in the entire fair. Aunt Tilda doesn't seem to be bothered. She's snoring happily away in the corner, the brim of her straw t hat fluttering in time with her raucous snores. It reminds Magnus of Stephen, and then his heart hurts, and then he looks away, and then he sees the wyvern. The wyvern is, well, certainly is a wyvern. Magnus has fought one or two in his day, he thinks. The artist has rendered it in loving details, her devotion to the buttery craft evident in every pointed scale, every pointed tooth, every curve of its tail swishing across the pedestal. Magnus doesn't know much about art, but he knows without a doubt that this is a masterpiece. It belongs in a museum, or a gallery, or stretched out and screeching across the sky. I mean, it's just, it's just very made out of butter. She'll love it, Merle says dreamily. She'll certainly feel something, Magnus says. Tilda snorts in her sleep. Well, Merle says, looking at Magnus expectantly, as though this was all his idea and Merle is just along for the ride. How are we doing this? It's kind of been worrying him that neither of them had paused before now to think. Well, maybe it's not the best idea to steal a semi-beloved salute to milk fat, especially not when their job titles are very technically protecting the citizens, enjoying this beloved festival from all forms of nefarious activities, up and especially including dairy-related crimes. Still, it's the best bet they have, Magnus thinks. I mean, Merle's logic is worryingly infectious. There's no way in hell Lucretia's gonna like any of the other trinkets Angus and Taco are bickering over, and besides, go big or go home, right? Right. Right? <laughs> well, we could store it in the pocket workshop, Magnus says, but can't keep the creeping, well, at this point, more frantically tapping on his shoulder and waving its arms doubt out of his voice. Although, I do keep it at a steady 70 degrees. What, the cold makes my joints sore? Merle doesn't grace that with a response. 
What we have to do, he says, rubbing a hand over his chin, is figure out how to get the cow, uh, dragon, dragon cow, out of here without noticing. His, uh, he eyes Magnus's chest. How attached are you to that fish, anyways? Magnus clutches the fish ball to his chest, affronted. No. Merle rolls his eyes. Fine, fine, coward. He puts his hands on his hips. All right. The way I see it, there's only one logical way to do this. Magnus nods, happy to be on the same page. It's great to be part of such an in-sync team. We wake up Aunt Tilda, we offer to pay her an equitable sum for her work, and we give her extra to get it gift-wrapped. Merle smiles. Close! His solution is as far from close as it's possible to be. Three minutes later finds Magnus tentatively creeping up upon the statue, trying to figure out the best way one might throw a butter wyvern over one's shoulder without breaking it in two. Merle's logic is the only way to do it is just go for it. That is, cast blindness on the acne-laden halfling, grab the wyvern, and run as, run as fast as humanly or dwarfly possible out of the carnival and back to the moon. I mean, it isn't the most elegant plan, he concedes, but it's what the job calls for. Nobody will remember, he argues. We can convince that octopus thing to do its magic erasing trick, and they'll forget this dumb dragon was here in the first place. Magnus eyes the dwarf. You know, for a magic priest, you really don't get magic, do you? Merle ignores him. Okay, grab the thing and let's get out of here. Magnus, after studying it for a moment, decides that the best solution is just to tackle it from the middle. The classic grab-and-go. No bells and whistles, not for Magnus Burnsides. He ducks down, avoiding the wings, and wraps his arms around the wyvern's base. It stays solidly whole between his arms, and he takes that as a good enough sign to keep going. All right, he says, squatting down and getting to ref ready to lift from the hips. You ready? Merle nods. Born ready. Wait, born ready! <laughs> Character voices. Sorry. On three, Magnus says. Get ready to run. Two. He hoists the statue up in the air, and for a moment it all seems to be working. Butter is lighter than he ever imagined, not that he spent a whole lot of time imagining, as they dart from the tent and Merle casts a quick, efficient blind blindness on the halfling girl. It almost seems like they're home free. They've escaped from worse, much worse from this, and they'll have no trouble avoiding carnies and sundry fairgoers. Grab Taco, grab the kid, they're back in a cannonball, and back to the bureau in under ten minutes. He'll make sure to send some money down later to con con compensate Great Aunt Tilda, and Lucretia will have the best birthday ever, and it will all be perfect. Maybe this wasn't such a bad idea after all. Thief. Someone hisses in his ear. Something hisses in his ear. Thief. It screeches, and something hard and big and greasy knocks him to the ground. What the? He yelps, and hand immediately going to rail splitter looks up. Above him, the butter wyvern towers, its milk chocolate eyes narrowed with the fury of a thousand scorned dairy farmers. Thief! It shrieks, its fatty wings snapping back and forth, back and forth. It throws its head back, <laughs> screaming its scorn to the sky and raking its pale yellow claws, too pointed to be funny, towards the clouds. The rest of the fairgoers are screaming, frantic. Those who haven't run have drawn back into the stalls, staring between them and the butter monster with expressions of abject horror. Magnus jumps to his feet, moving so that his body blocks the wyvern from the crowd. Creature. He says, keeping his voice calm and rustically hospitable. My name is Magnus Burnsides. 
I am very sorry for disturbing you, but I promise you, we mean no harm. The wyvern crouches low and slams its tail into the ground. Its stinger swishing towards the crowd lets loose the pungent scent of rotten butter. There's the distinct sound of someone retching. Actually, that might be Merle. Punish the thief! It hisses, sizzling gobs of fat sputtering from its maw. The droplets burn the ground, leaving fist-sized patches of blackened earth. Beside him, Magnus can hear the sound of sobbing and the distinct scent of fear. Something is burning inside of him, a familiar, heavy weight that sets his spine straight, his shoulders back, his breathing steady. He draws himself up and stares head-on into the wyvern's eyes. He may, he may have caused this, yes, but gods help him if he's going to let it continue. Behind him, he can hear a still-shaky Merle readying a spell. He smiles grimly, clutching his hand around Rail Splitter. Let's churn some butter. What? Shut up, Merle. Just attack it. Merle, to his credit, doesn't hesitate. And now let's cut <laughs> it over to, to Brenna Clark, live on the scene. Thank live you. Live on the scene of the Butter Fair. What have you got for us, Brenna? Well, here today I've got Chapter 4. Um, it's <laughs> It's been a pretty good day so far. Most of Angus's days have been pretty good lately. Great, even. But this one takes the cake, so to speak. He was honored when Mr. Taco asked him to join in on their birthday quest, even if, from what Angus could tell, Taco was being compelled to under threat of violence by Miss Killian. And Angus has had a great time so far, from seeing the fair to searching for birthday clues to getting to spend some quality time with three seasoned heroes. It's just been a really, really wonderful day. All right, kid, Taco says, fondling a collection of hand-woven spider silk scarves disinterestedly. I don't need your whole backstory. Angus smiles. He knows that while Mr. Taco can be abrasive on the surface, even what some might consider rude or unfeeling or mean to the point of cruelty, he cherishes and loves Angus. Somewhere, somewhere deep down, so deep down it might take years to unearth. Angus is looking forward to the journey. Great joke, sir, he says encouragingly. Taco doesn't appear to hear him. Hey, he says, eyeing the shoekeeper, a gnome currently buried under an avalanche of his own wares, which Taco will later claim he had absolutely nothing to do with. Ango, hold out your hands. Angus instinctively puts his hands in his pockets. He's fallen for this trick a lot during his tenure at the Bureau of Ballots, and while he appreciates a good joke now and then, he doesn't particularly want to experience whatever fun and new and possibly scarring thing Mr. Taco has cooked up part of the pun. I'm not going to hurt you, Taco said, rolling his eyes. I just want you to steal them. Angus looks at him aghast. Sir, we were sent here on a mission, a mission of truth, of good, and I know you and Mr. Highchurch and Mr. Magnus occasionally play fast and loose with basic morality, but on fair day, Taco has already dumped the scarves around his neck. Hey, don't talk to, talk to me about morality. You're the one parading around wearing your contraband. You're crazy, Angus. You're a madman. Angus is ready to tear the scarves off and spend the next 10 minutes apologizing fervently to the numb shopkeeper. When something stops him, something loud, something furiously, something, something that sounds like a scream. Oh no, he cranes his neck, turning around and around in an attempt to pinpoint the source of the noise. Sir, I think there may be trouble afoot. Someone screams louder. A short distance away, tents have begun to crumble. There's the sound of stampeding feet and a low, furious growl. Taco is also looking around frantically, but he doesn't appear to be searching for the noise. Where did they... Magnus! 
He yells into the stone of far speech. Dwarfman, where are you? Merle's, Merle's voice is drowned in static. We're, we're kind of busy right now. Can you leave a message? The growl cuts through the crackle, low and dark and menacing, and sounding a lot closer to Merle than to them. Sir, Angus yells into his own stone. This is Angus, Angus MacDonald from, from the Bureau. Can you please describe your location and the nature of the creature attacking you? Okay. <laughs> There's a pause. Who? Taco, Angus. Magnus's voice is a lot more ragged, a lot more pained. We're, we're three rows away, right past the mine tent. Come quick, it's getting stronger. Taco and what Angus thinks is probably the biggest burst of energy he's ever seen from him. Grabs Angus's hand, his are so soft, and starts running through the tents. What's getting stronger? What did you two jagweeds do? Listen, Merle says, sounding as patient as one can when they are apparently being crushed under a ton of something sloppy? Goopy? Angus's mind races with possibilities, not all of them great. This isn't really the time to be placing blame. People are streaming past them, shrieking in terror. Taco and Angus rush in the opposite direction, dodging the, the dodging past the kind-hearted, terror-struck people of Neverwinter. Angus vaguely recalls the oath he took upon becoming a detective. I will do good. I will protect. I will not terrify the living daylights out of anyone ever again. And thinks, well, I gave it a good effort. Ango, Taco says softly, do they all smell like popcorn to you? Angus sniffs the air. Yes. Yes, they do. He looks up at Taco approvingly. Good observation, sir. Taco silently points up to the signpost in front of them. The sign at the very top is obscured by some strange yellowish liquid, but Angus can still barely make it out. Butter Wyvern, 200 feet ahead. In sync, the two of them look up. There is, in fact, a Butter Wyvern 200 feet ahead. If one was placing bets on the outcome of the current fight, one would almost invariably want to put their money on giant animated pile of butter. Magnus is lying in the destroyed aftermath of what used to be a tent, rubbing his bleeding temple. Merle is crouching down low to the ground, trying to keep out of the wyvern's line of eyesight. It's swishing its tail, eyes narrowed, and the hissing, bubbling sound gurgling low in its throat. One of its wings, at least, is missing, a Magnus production, judging by the thick layer of film clinging to Rail Splitter's blade. That doesn't seem to deter, deter the creature. If anything, it just looks more, more furious, more motivated to kill. And kill. And kill. And kill. Thieves. It screeches. Of fucking <laughs> course, Taco says. The wyvern's head snaps their way. Attack. Oh, God. Taco says a word Angus is pretty sure he isn't supposed to know. They dart behind an overturned cart. Taco crushes Angus under his body. Angus, his head pressed against Taco's chest, feels a beat fluttering against his cheek. Fear, 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 fear. Taco is muttering something that sounds like, hates this stupid bear, hate this stupid bureau, hate that stupid dwarf, hate this stupid kid, under his breath. Although Angus must, knows he must have misheard that last one. All right, Taco mumbles, shutting his eyes tight. Can't explode it, can't shrink it, can't dispel it. God, what did you two do? Listen, Magnus says over the stone, Lucretia's a fancy woman. She needs fancy gifts. Butter is very in this year, Merle says matter-of-factly. Thieves! Screams the wyvern. <laughs> oh my god! Taco puts his head in his hands. Angus pulls on Taco's blouse. Sir? Angus whispers, perhaps I can assist. No, kid, you're staying here, Taco says, glaring down at Angus. I have enough babies to take care of. Can't have you to worry about, too. 
Something in Angus's expression makes him stop, and he forces a smile, small, fake-looking. It's going to be fine. All right, it's going to be fine, Ango. He pushes Angus's head back down and whispers into his ear, I promise, now stay down. Paco stands up and hoists the umber staff into the air. Pointing it directly at the wyvern, he yells as loud as he can, Hey, lizard! The wyvern's head snaps toward Taco, its eyes narrow. Eat this! In another life, the magic missile he fires at the wyvern's forehead would have been impressive. Heroic, even. It splits the wyvern's head straight in two, and bubbling hot oil spills from where its brain should be, popping and sputtering across its buttery scales. For a moment, victory and pride washes over Angus. They've done it. They've saved the day. Not that he ever doubted they could, of course. It's just that usually victory comes with a lot more screaming corpses, but not this time. The great job, sir. I'm very, very proud of you. Dies, however, in his throat as quickly, quickly as it comes. Because the wyvern is still moving. Because the wyvern looks angry. Because the wyvern split head has reconstituted itself into two heads and now four pairs of beady, really angry eyes are staring directly in their direction. Well, fuck, Taco says and throws them both to the ground. The wyvern lets out a roar and smashes its body full force against the side of the cart. It manages to withstand most of the wyvern's flailing attack, but a few drops of oil splatter Angus's wrist, sizzling the skin red and raw. He winces, but bites the inside of his cheek to stop himself from crying out. They've dealt with worse. He can't let them down. Mr. Taco certainly wouldn't let a little thing like this stop him. He's surprised then to feel something press against his wrist, a cool, silky sensation which numbs the burn. He looks up, eyes wide. Taco finishes trying, tying off the stolen scarf and gives Angus a wan smile. So you don't start crying, he says, and grips his staff once more. Moral... Merle Mangus. Oh my god, Merle Magnus. Merle and Mango! <laughs> into the stone, you fuck nuts, ready? <laughs> the other two reclaimers sound worse for the wear, but give their assent. Wait here, kid, Taco repeats. He lets out a long breath and, without another glance back, races toward the wyvern. Angus clutches his legs to his chest and closes his eyes tight. That doesn't stop the noise, though. He can hear them, the three of them, Magnus grunt. Grunting in pain as something breaks across his chest. Merle, calling up a shield to block the three of them and cursing when the wyvern knocks it out of existence. Paco, shooting spell after spell after desperate spell at the creature, his voice getting higher and higher as the wyvern manages to deflect each one. What the fuck did you do? Taco screeches. Neither of the other two reclaimers condescend to answer. He is to do what Mr. Taco says. He knows that. Stay here, stay quiet, stay out of the way. It's not that difficult. His legs are paralyzed and his heart is frozen over in fear. He wants to be brave. He really does. That's why he asked Taco to teach him. That's why he came down with them. That's why he joined the Bureau. But as the Wyvern roars, he can't seem to make his body move. Taco curses in real furious pain. Merle yells in frustration, his voice going hoarse. Magnus is quiet. Angus wants to be brave. He's so scared. Angus has to be brave. His fingers brush against the stolen scarf. He stands up. Hey! He yells. His voice is trembling, but he doesn't notice, and nobody will mention it later on. Mr. Wyvern, or, or Miss Wyvern, or Hey, Wyvern! The butter wyvern's eyes snap towards him. It hisses, lowering dual heads towards the ground like a bull gone to charge. Its prey is tiny, but that doesn't matter. It was built to destroy, and it doesn't matter whether giant or gnome anything will do. Yeah, Angus shouts, planting his feet directly in the ground. You heard me. You want to get me? Well, come on. Behind the wyvern, a bloody taco is making frantic hand gestures, a mixture of you fucking idiot and get out of the way. 
Angus shoving down a feeling of profound guilt ignores him. He has to do this. He has to. The wyvern rears its head back. Angus closes his eyes and tries as hard as he can to remember everything Taco has taught him over the last year. Keep your feet planted. Keep your voice loud. Don't hesitate. Not for a second. You got that, kid? Angus opens his eyes and casts Charmed Person. Everything freezes. Holy shit, breathes Magnus. What the fuck, says Taco. Uh, says Moral. Master, coos the dragon. Angus grins, confused and triumphant. I asked you to buy, like, a hand-carved figurine or a cross-stitch of wildflowers, Killian says, looking as though she doesn't quite believe or desperately doesn't want to believe what she's saying. I just... I just wanted wildflowers. The butter wyvern crouches on the ground, hissing as Avi helps Angus out of the cannonball. Taco looks unbelievably proud. Killian looks like she's about to quit. When the director takes one look at it and breathes, eyes wide with wonder, it's beautiful. She does quit for about 30 minutes. She doesn't <laughs> regret it. Yeah! <laughs> Tag team action from Brenna and Scotty on this one episode. I dig it. Oh, God. I'm happy you chose it because I wanted all of that to get to our audience. I loved that shit so much, dog. I'm really glad, too. I was always afraid of it happening, but now that it has, it's like, it's a weight off my shoulders, you know? Like, it was good. Also... Also, that was uh, written by a person on Archive of Our Own known as Orphan underscore account. So Orphan account, boom, like, fuck yeah, dude. That was awesome. You go, homie. Oh, man, B, that was awesome. But you know what else is awesome? What else is awesome? All of our lovely merch at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, merch.aloadofpurebs.com is the website where you can go and support all of the BS networking gets shirts for Fight Boys, a load of BS, opposite attractions, and then, of course, fun fiction. I've tried to get us more shirts on the website. We've got the Teen Titans Go one. I made a Goosebumps one, which, to be fair, I should have waited for, like, Halloween to release. But I really liked yeah, it, so I, I just put it out. Uh, but, yeah, if you want to support us and get some awesome merch out of it, you can over at merch. Not a load of pure BS. Dot com and now Brenna. Oh God! Welcome to our advent. I'm sorry, your fucking dragon voice or wyvern voice was my favorite thing <laughs> on the planet. Thank you. Um, but oh wait, hold on. Do you hear this? Oh God, it went everywhere. I meant to, that was a goof, but the dice are everywhere, Brenna. Oh my God! Speaking of goof, I just have to. Stop and say my favorite line in the Adventure Zone ever. It's not all just goof, goof, dildo. It's not all just goof, goof, dildo. I'm, I have a beating heart. I'm multi-dimensional. But yes, perfection. That sound of dice. So much fucking dice falling out at once can only be one thing. It's now time to dive back into the world of Sydney Rosenthorn. Oh, God. I've got new dice. <laughs> Which, of course, we learned last time that, unfortunately, Sydney's entire fucking city, including her parents, her best friend, everyone, died in the unfortunate attack on, uh, on 
Oh shit! Why can I not remember the name of the town? Fandolin. Fandolin. So uh, last we saw her, she gave up her life as a wizard, breaking her wand. So now, even if she wanted to, she cannot do magic because she has no wand or no uh, focus to really use it with. And since then, she has now moved on to become a rogue. So, and I sent you the character sheet earlier. So now she's yes. actually a pretty damn accomplished rogue. She's changed her name to Sid Vicious, which kind of just gets laughs. But she tried to be, in, she was like, I'm Sid Vicious. But it's like Star-Lord. People are like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? Who, <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, so she tries to be Sid Vicious, but it doesn't really work. But she's really kind of just, since last we saw her, she's been traveling across the world, trying her damnedest to learn about what happened to her family, what happened to her town, and where to find the people that she's now dubbed the Bracers. And that's the people who actually have that metal bracer on that, uh, like Magic Brian did when he killed both of, oh, I mean, I guess your parents, you are Sydney. (sighs) Yeah. Thanks, Scotty, for reminding me. Yeah, no big deal. But unfortunately, the more she seems to search, it's like the less she finds. And this has now led you to the town of Coldcliffe, which is a town full of (laughs) prosperity, wealth, and in all honesty, it's like the perfect town for a rogue because there's gold everywhere and plenty of shit to steal. Yes. But... Before that can begin, you have a very important meeting, Sydney. An important meeting with somebody who could possibly help you track down your parents. A meeting with someone that you in your travels have learned to be the greatest detective of all time. I get to interact with Angus! <laughs> so, you uh, enter the Goldcliff bar, the tavern, and you sit at a table, and I, d- I don't know why, I just wanted you to have something to fiddle with, so you do have playing cards. So, so you're kind of just like messing with your cards. You're really, since you don't use normal magic, the only magic that you have is kind of like sleight of hand to help you cheat at poker and stuff. So you're right. practicing palming and replacing cards, and then suddenly you feel a presence sit across from you, and they loudly announce, "Hello, ma'am." Oh. <laughs> Hi. Hi, good to meet you. I'm Angus McDonald. I'm the greatest detective of all time. Wow. Hi, I'm Sydney Rosenthorn. You sound really happy for someone whose parents got murdered, but yeah. Well, how are you? <laughs> I'm shit, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so can we get to why we're here, please? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm in a bar, and I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> You, you can't tell at all. Like, your face doesn't look pained at all. Then, like, a waiter comes by and is like, would you two like some whiskey? And he's like, no, thank you, sir. Can I have a milk? Thanks. Put some vodka in it. What? What? <laughs> you didn't hear anything. All right. So, anyways, why am I here? Um, I, I heard about your detective prowess and I need your help. I can do it. I can do anything. I'm the world's greatest detective. Yeah. So so are we looking for somebody? Are we solving a crime? What do you need? Well, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I so I, I need to find 
a group of people. Oh, okay. Um, do you know anything about them? Like, is there like a specific person you're looking for or? Well, I, they wear these little silvery bracelets. Like, like a fancy ring bracelet or? No, like, like it takes up almost their whole arm. It's that big. Oh, Yeah, um, and this this guy has like a a funny accent. Well, actually, Brenna, as you try to remember Magic Brian, oh great, as you try as you try to remember what his face is, you start to get static, and as you try to recall everything about him, you get static and static. It's like his whole body is engulfed in that dark, inky blackness, and all you can see shining out is that silvery. Bracer, and that's all you know of him. Cool. So yeah, uh, bracelet, big old, big old shiny silver bracelet. So, so wait, do you not? What does he look like? Like, does he have a? I, it, um, <laughs> this is gonna sound so stupid, but I, I, I have no idea. I can't. I mean, I, I, I saw him, but I can't. I, I don't know. Okay. That's a bit of a tough one. So he has, he's a man. Are you the greatest detective or not? Like. I am the greatest detective, but if this guy doesn't have a face, how am I supposed to find him? I mean, he has a face, Angus, but I just don't, I don't know what it is. What's this bracer look like? You said it's like silvery. Is there any kind of like markings or something I could be looking for? I don't, I don't, I think there is, but I can't. You would remember this, by the way. Okay. You would be able to remember this. It's just the I don't know body. how to describe it. It's like it's like a bunch of triangles. Wait, it, what? does it does it look like this? And then he pulls out his notebook and flips open to a page, and there you see perfectly like made the Bureau of Balance logo, and he hands it over to you. Does it look like this? Why do you have that? Well, are you one of them? Why are you looking for them? They, they killed my parents. Ma'am, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't think that's them. It was. I've met three people who wear this exact logo and they, they were amazing. They they saved me. They saved an entire train of people. They... They're not bad people. I mean, I, I've followed them, and I'm not going to lie, destruction seems to follow them that carry the mark of the hourglass, but I don't think it's their fault. Are you going to tell me that I stood and watched my parents die, and that's not somebody's fault? Well, it is, but come with me. And Where? you t- oh, <laughs> just fucking let the narrator take over. Anyways, Fine. And, so, and so uh you leave the bar with Angus and you actually go down to the Gold Cliff Battle Wagon Racing League. And the match has already started. There are a bunch of people cheering. There are some people who are kind of like grumbling out and taking like their betting ticket and tossing it down. And there you see almost chaos littering the track with numerous vehicles. And there's only a few left. 
and there's one car out front, and it's a crazed woman wearing a raven mask, and you're kind of just like, it's because she's number one, it also seems like crazy, you're not really on her team. And she continues to remain firmly in the fr front when you see these three other racers catch up. Eventually, one of them actually uh, boarding a motorcycle and then casting a spell that sees him swap with her body and then almost cheating his way to victory. And then you see that one and his two friends, these three racers who are wearing the masks of the owl, the bear, and the mongoose celebrate. And then Angus goes, take this. And he starts to hand you some uh, binoculars so you can look closer. But as he does, the woman in the raven mask begins shaking and shivering and vines break out of the ground and start to surround us. And heavy wind surrounds you and Angus and a tornado starts oh, to uh, appear in the center of the track. People are starting to run in horror as more vines are actually breaking through further away, closer to the audience, and pulling people down into the cracks, killing them. You get up to run away, panicked, when suddenly one of the vines grab Angus. Oh, shit. What do you do? Aw, oh, fuck. I don't... Okay, so can I still use magic even though I don't... Like, that's not... Or... Um, well... No, but if you look, I oh, have given I have given you some more weaponry. So you have a dagger, a battle yeah. axe, and a crossbow. Okay. Well, I guess um, I want to take the battle axe and try to cut some vines so it'll put Angus down. Okay. Um, could you please roll plus strength for me? Oh Jesus. Um. Yeah. I rolled. A seven. A seven, but... Plus my strength, that's, that's, that's what it is. ten, and that actually does beat the vine. So you actually cleft the vine in twain, and Angus kind of, like, falls down next to you. And you, I mean, do you want to try to run away? Do you want to try to fight? Where do you want to go next? Uh, I feel like, yeah, I want to get the heck out of Dodge. I was just to say, you know how it ends, so you can't just be like, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I think that's smart. Okay, uh, so you and Ango run out in a panic, and basically, eventually, you end up at the edge of the gold cliff, so the actual cliff, and it kind of seems like no one's been here. It seems fairly deserted, except for you see a group of, like, three footsteps and what appears to be, like, this long divot from those <laughs> figures dragging something. You're not really sure what that's about. And you and Angus lay down and stare up at the sky, and then you look off in the distance where that tornado is happening, and you see the vines return back to the earth and the dark tornado disappear. They did it! Angus responds happily. Who? Uh, you know the people I was telling you about? And before he can continue, a massive globe slams into the ground behind you the ground shakes and it kind of jolts you up you kind of jump up and land back on your butt and <laughs> you both turn around and you see this giant almost like two geodesic domes combined together to make a sphere and it opens up and you see two people emerge out of it an orc woman and a young dragonborn <laughs> all right get the boy and let's get out of here 
The orc woman comments with a sigh, and then you see the dragonborn rush towards Angus and grab him around the midsection and start pulling him back towards that ball as he is kicking and screaming. And then you look down at both of their wrists, and they are both wearing the bracers featuring the mark of the hourglass. I want to throw my dagger at the one that that has Oh, shit! But, like... But, like, in the arm, just so she drops him. That's all I want. Not to kill. <laughs> not, not to kill! Non-lethal okay. damage! Non-lethal damage. So you're throwing your dagger at the dragonborn. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess we'll just say it's Carrie. So, um, yeah. okay. could you please roll plus... I would assume, would this be plus strength? Plus dexterity? Um, shoot. Well, it depends on how well you want me to do, because my dexterity is lower, so... Uh, no, you can, you can toss it. You, you can toss it with your strength. Um, I got a 9 plus 3, so 12. Uh, unfortunately, that does not beat her AC of 13, so she... I, huh. I, I almost... I like the idea of it hits the bracer itself, Damn and, it. and then just... Boom! Like, plinks off. And so now you... The dagger is resting at her feet. And she turns around at you and starts to drag a little bit faster as... uh, I guess we're not going to roll initiative. As Killian (laughs) comes... Killian comes rushing towards you with her hand axe. And she rolls a... Whoo! Brenda, that's a 19! (laughs) Bless your AC! Okay, but I'm just going to tell you so far that I'm going to do my uncanny dodge, and so whatever she hits me for is halved. Wait, oh, oh, shit! Okay, I'm down with that. So we're going to halve the damage, which is... Oh, she got a solid six, Brenna. So you're uh, lucky. Uh, so, uh. so that is a four of damage. And yeah. now, now let's cut back over to... Killian, or uh, no, Carrie, who I think at this point has now tossed Angus into it and has now come to no. join Killian in battle. Um, and she is actually going to pick up your dagger and throw it at you. Okay. So you're getting, so you're getting your dagger back, but not, not without some pain going on. And that is an 11 plus three, looks like. So a 14. So it just barely hits you. Barely. And that's 1d4 plus three. That's an eight, Brenna. Dang it, Scotty. I'm sorry. Look, these are like two of the best dudes that the Bureau have to offer. You gonna get fucked. Um, what have you got next? Because you're up next. God bless. Um, I guess... Can I... Pretend... Like I'm going to... Flash them with my battle axe, but like... Do a cunning action, like dash between the two of them to try to get Angus out of the thing. Um, so it'd almost be like a deception, dexterity roll? Yeah, probably... All right, yeah. Um, roll plus uh, deception. 
Um, that is a solid um, five, my dude. Okay. So, <laughs> good work there, buddy. Um, so, I think Killian is not going to use this to make an attack of opportunity on you. Because yeah, you done fucked up a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah, we're just going to... She's going to come back down on you with the hand axe. And that... Oh, wait, you actually... This one's getting into some Matrix shit, because she comes down on it. I know she misses you, because I know what your AC is. So, she comes down, you dodge out of the way, then immediately Carrie jumps into the fucking air and does dragon breath on you. Shit. So, Brenna, I need you to make a dexterity saving roll. Alright, let's pray to Pan. Um... Yeah, so that's an 18. What up? Okay. It still hits. Dang but it. it's just it's 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 halved is the only thing. Okay. Uh 2d6 and a 5 by 30 foot. So it's a literally a 5 by 30 foot fucking line of dragon breath and I think she's actually doing it between you and where the sphere is, where the dome is. And you only take three and a half damage from it, but unfortunately, it's also shielding you away. And that unfortunately gives them enough time to quickly run into the ball and you see it shoot up into the air and now they are gone. <sighs> so now you have lost the world's greatest... You lost a boy! I lost the boy! You lost the boy, Brenna. Um... So now what do you do? You have no money. I guess you, you, you bought a hotel in Goldcliff and it's kind of run you out of cash. So right. you wake up the next day. There's no money for a ride. Like uh, the way you got here was you hitched some, you hitched a, a ride on the Rockport Limited. And unfortunately there's no train tracks. So you can't really get anywhere. So you're either going to have to hoof it or find a other way of making money, Miss Rogue you. Uh, you look around, you see the local bar, uh, a shop which specializes in selling medicines, and the bank. So what do you do? Well, I'm thinking that the bank is still in a pretty good state of disarray due to, you know, yeah. all the things that happened. Um, so maybe I'll go just check it out. All right, my dude, uh, you walk into the bank and you were correct. Shit's still fucked. But unfor <laughs> unfortunately, it's been so long that there's still kind of a bunch of kind of rabble around. Like there's a, there's a bunch of people who kind of turn around and stare at you and you can hear their pockets jingling with change. And they walk up to you and there are literally fucking five of them. You are trying to kill me. <laughs> and they're like, hey, uh, what exactly do you think you're doing here? Um, I'm just a little girl. I don't, I just, I don't, where, are you my mommy? Uh, uh, no, I am not your mommy. <laughs> Look, oh. if you're really a little girl, which by the way, you are, you're still like fucking 13. I know that. I know that. Um, you don't want to be here. You don't want to be around people like us. Yeah, otherwise they'll end, you'll end up like me. And then you look over, and there's like a bandit woman. 
but she looks like fucking like Nikki Six. I love it. <laughs> Which point, you know, no, I like to think Sydney says that. Sydney's like, I love it. That's sweet. I want to do that. Hey, my name is Sid Vicious. Can I like? They all start, they immediately start laughing at you. No, it's cool, guys. Like, it's really, it's cool. Like, Vicious is in the the (sighs) neck. Look, how about this? I'm going to count down from ten. And uh, by the time I get to one, you better not be here anymore. No, listen, listen. Linda, listen. (laughs) (laughs) How did you know my name was Linda? It, you're wearing a name tag, but regardless, um, I'm, I could be really useful to you guys, like really useful. You see how tall I am not and the small corners that I can fit into? Well, you certainly are not tall. That is definitely yeah. one of the first things I noticed about you. Yeah. Um, could, could you please roll a persuasion? for um, me? I would, I would so love to do that, but here's the thing that my... Um, actually, never mind. Persuasion is good. Um, uh, so 12 plus 3 is 15. Uh, Brenna, that's gonna be... That's, I mean, you're like right on the edge, and unfortunately that gives the advantage right back to me. So, then he just looks at you and he goes, 10, 9, Listen, wait, hold on. Look, Seven. Can I tell you something? Okay, I lied before. Right. I mean, I am a little girl. <laughs> we have to assume. Wait, are I you did... not actually this short? Are you actually taller? Yeah, no. Uh, well, I'm, I'm shorter. I'm three gnomes in chainmail. Um, but here's the thing. My parents are dead. Cool, I need... cool. Yeah, right. Yeah, I need money um i i just feel like that we can do something together that doesn't involve you counting like you're my dad because like you're not i mean look if you got a problem my name is dad linda so if you got a problem calling me dad that's gonna be at which point the female bandit walks forward and goes well it looks like somebody's trying to chomp my steez here Sweetheart, let me put it this way. There's only room for one woman here, and it's me, Sandy, oh. Sandy Six. Sandy, can I, can I, can I call you Six? No. Sandy's kind of like, um, so, so Six, um, the thing is, I don't, I don't want to be like a, like a, a part of this you know i just want to help wait hold on you just said you wanted to be a part of this yeah but i think she's lying and then another one's just like (laughs) she's lying a lot i don't think she really is three gnomes in a trench coat and now it's time time to roll oh uh it's a it's a crit miss so (laughs) critical miss okay so there are five bandits okay one who is a bandit captain, who, uh, I'm not gonna lie, may be the one you want to focus on, because the other four are little chodes, I'm not even gonna lie. Um, but the bandit captain is going first, and he does unfortunately have multi-attack. So I'm gonna roll that multi-attack real quick, 
Brenda, that's a 16. Well, obviously that hits. Yeah, so he makes three melee attacks, two with its scimitar, one with his dagger. So two scimitar attacks. Let me see. Oh, Brenna, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not. I know you're not. You never are. That's a five. Also, you've been healed, so you can go back to full health. Jeez, thank you. Yeah, five, uh, four, so that's nine, and then one with the dagger. And that is... Oh, wait, that was a d4. That's not right. Then one with the dagger, which is going to be eight. Jeez. Yeah, Brenna, this isn't the best for you. Um, Then the other four... I'm just going to use all the other four bandits in unison as one, and then kind of multiply, if that's all right with you. That's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, don't sound so sad! I mean... All right. Well, luckily for you, Brenna, they only rolled a four. So, so it's up to you now. Now you're back. Okay. Um, I'm going to whip out my crossbow and train it right at that dude's head. Oh, okay. So are you just going to shoot him with it? or? It's not yeah. like a gun, Brenna. He's not going to be like, well, you got me. Yeah. Okay, so... so so you're gonna shoot shoot the boy. So um yeah, rain uh roll plus I guess strength. Well guess what? I got an eighteen plus three, which twenty one. Uh, twenty one. Yeah, that definitely hits the boy. Um <laughs> He's rocking some studded leather, but it's not on his head. It's not on his head. It's not on his head. So roll plus or one d eight plus two. Okay, so six, eight. So an eight. Oh yeah, he just backs up like, oh god, that was <laughs> right in my head. How dare you? Now he feels like, and I guess you're a little bit away, so you actually have to, since you shot a crossbow. Was it point blank? I mean, we weren't like. You psychopath! Look, he's hurting me, dude. I mean, come on. All right. Well, now he uh, he's gonna take his scimitar and just whoop it, whoop you with it. And let's make that strength roll, Brenna. That is a sixteen, actually an eighteen plus. I well, you know what? I'm gonna dodge it. Oh wait, are you using your uh, your dodge? So I that, am. what that what halves right? Halves it, yeah. Oh, okay, well, he's still gonna probably kill you. Okay, wait, hold on. Four plus three, that's seven, so three and a half. We can round down. I'll round down so you don't die. Uh, that's a three. I'm only on 29, dude. What do you think? <laughs> and now, here's looking... Let's hope this fucking bandit crew can actually do something. Let's hope they're gonna kill me. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope they're gonna murder you in cold blood. Oh, no, Brenna. Brenna, it was a 16. That means, like, four fucking shots from a crossbow at once. Oh. And it looks like 1d8 plus 1. Um, Alright, let me find my d8. And boop! That is... Times 4. That's 16. Yeah, okay. I'm at... 
Well, before it gets back to you, Brenna, from the outside door, you actually hear, Abraka, fuck you! And then three bolts of magical energy come from outside, busting up, and then actually shooting into three of the, uh, three of the bandits who had just shot you. And one D4 plus one, so let me just make sure. That is a four. And so that would be five. So that means three of them have now been taken down. Cool. And that's the end of the turn for a new challenger has appeared, Taco. And then you see, uh, you see this beautiful, massive man with a bear mask around his neck rush in and with a two-handed battle axe attack, he goes straight, like, he literally jumps over the, like, barricade and just whoosh with rail splitter into the skull of the, uh, bandit king. And that was an 18, so I know that hit him. So, 1d10 plus 3 slashing. Fuck, Magnus is strong! I wish- I want to play this game with Travis one day, just to see, like, how the shit does he do all of this. I know. Alright, let me find my d10. Why are these so hard to find? I wish there was some sort of order. Here we go. He's breaking my heart because I just want to fangirl and I can't because that's not what Cindy's about. <laughs> Alright, so uh, a three plus uh, slashing, six plus t- uh, d6 plus two. So six plus, so eight plus three, that's eleven. That takes him down to thirty-nine. And then uh, this is going to get slightly out of character, Brenna. Is Merle going to do something helpful? Yeah, he's actually going to use uh, Cure Wounds on you. Aww. Okay, so 1d8 plus 3. Let me get my d8 out. Roll a high one. Oh my god! Fucking an 8, Brenna! Thank you! So that'd be 24 fucking points. Thank you. And now it's back to you. You've got um, one bandit who's still alright three bandits who are pretty damaged from a magic missile, and then the final bandit captain, who is still... He's not bloodied, but he's pretty weakened. Alright. Well, I don't really want to go close to him, so I guess we're gonna crossbow him, too, as boring as it is. Okay, yeah, feel free, crossbow him up. Roll that that beautiful bean footage. Uh, 17 plus 3... That is a 20. It is. That definitely beats, and I will actually let you roll 2d8 for this one, just because uh, it's like the, hey, this is running fucking long, and this boy needs to die. And then also because I, I kind of want you to be the one to end this. I got a 5 and a 6. So that's 11 plus mm-hmm. 2. That's a 13. And then... Magnus just finally gets Rail Splitter out of the ground and sends it raining down on him to end the battle. Hell and yeah. you you've solved my bandit puzzle. Thank you. That God. went a lot longer <laughs> than I thought it would. Sorry that I'm not that adept. 
No, it's okay. Like, it's it's literally chance, and chance is what's happening. Anyways, so afterwards, they walk up over to you, and Magnus, like, reaches down. He goes, you did good tonight, kid. What's your name? Dead Vicious. Okay, but what's your real name? Look here, I, I for one can say, it's a beautiful name, darling. Don't let them discuss how... Ridiculous it sounds. I understand. Taco, by the way, from TV. Oh, and you think my name is ridiculous. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna be outside. I tried to help. I really did, but no, no one wants to listen to Taco. At which point, as he walks by, he does like a swoosh of his cape, and that's when you see the the fucking, the bracer. Who are you? And why do you have that? Why do I have what? The cape? Oh, I bought this one on Etsy, darling. It's fine. Oh my god. The bracer. Oh, uh, and then Magnus interrupts. It's gonna be hard for us to understand, but we work for a company that wants to... We work for the... And then static, just immediately. Merle tried his best, but static starts coming out. And then uh, Taco comes over and goes, Merle, you know she can't understand what we're saying when you bring up the... And then Magnus is like, could everyone stop saying... And then, like, there's just nothing but static and chaos in front of you. Okay, can we... Can everybody just shut up for just a second? Um, I... I'm looking for somebody who has that. Oh, there's a lot of people with these. It's really cool. Um, you can get them at Forever 21 or, you know, it's it's nothing big. Like, it's not like Taco's trying his best to be like, no, 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 don't, don't look. What did they look like? I don't. I, people keep asking me that and I, I don't know. Like, I can't. The only thing I remember is that. Let me ask you something, darling. When you think of this person, do you see static and a whole lot of nothingness? That's... How did you know that? Just a bit of a guess. Don't worry, they're dead. And then they try to walk out the door again. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I don't... But that's not... I need... Oh my god. Why can't you just help me? Look, we'd be happy to tell you all about the as soon as we could, but we're kind of in the middle of a big thing going on right now. We're actually about to go see the sheriff. So if you could just give us ten minutes. Well, just just take me with you then. Yeah, about that. <laughs> How about this? We go see the sheriff, and we will come back and get you in about... I don't know, 15 minutes. How about that? You won't, though. I cast Zone of Truth! Ah, here we go. And and then uh, Merle casts Zone of Truth on everybody. At which point, Taco, like, Taco's just uncontrollably, like, just speaking, but it's nothing but static. He's like, we work for the... (laughs) And our boss's name is... (laughs) 
<laughs> and now it's almost like he's having a panic attack and it's really freaking you out. Like, it's terrifying to see this happening to this human being. Can someone, like, hug him or something and make him stop? No one hug me! I need this person to know that we killed everyone in Phandalin and I don't want... You what? Uh -oh. I... You what? It was... It wasn't... I... I, I, I mean, it, it was, it, but it wasn't it. Taco, shut up. It, it wasn't us. It was just, we couldn't stop it. It's just, they all died. We watched them all die. We did everything we could, but they're dead. Everyone's dead. And then uh, finally Magnus just slaps him and then looks at you like, I'm so sorry. And then they all run out and leave you there. No, I'm running after them. Um, by the time you get outside, they are already gone. Motherfucker. You get outside, you know they were going to the sheriff's office. When you go by the sheriff's office, you look inside and you see a figure in a red robe hovering behind the sheriff. And then you see the sheriff fall dead. And from that, you kind of panic and end up running back out of town. And you end up running back to the gold cliff where you lost, uh, you lost Angus. The gold cliff where now, more than ever, you are completely confused about what those bracers mean. You have seen people like Carrie and Killian rip people away. You saw someone like Magic Brian murder your family. But also you've seen Magnus and Merle and Taco who... You don't know how to feel about them because they allegedly killed everyone in your town. That giant explosion, that was their fault. And the sun starts going down and you see the moon rise above the mountains in the distance. And you remember your parents telling you that the sky is where your peace lies. It's the great humbler of all humanity, for no one can be as big and beautiful as that sky above you. A single tear runs down your cheek as you remember your parents telling you of their time during their childhoods, where the two of them would play and date and live together underneath those two beautiful moons that represented the love they had for each other, those two massive celestial beings standing alongside one another forever, but... As you think that thought, that same static begins to cut in when you try to think of the face of Brian. The same thing happens. You try your best to break through and you make out small pieces out of the stories. The story of double moons, about the power of polymorph, but it finally just breaks into nothing but static. And you look up into the moon, the sky, and you see the one moon that this earth has and you laugh realizing that you were under a lot of stress and you had no idea where such a ridiculous thought came from there's always been one moon nothing more nothing less just like you you might have thought that you had a partner you might have thought you had more people but you're the only person that you have in this world sydney no one to share your side Every time you try to get close to someone, whether it be Garen, your parents, or Angus MacDonald, they disappear or are killed. You are alone in this world, and that sky just proves it. You are the lone person in your life, and there was no point trying to get close to anyone else. They would just disappoint you. 
and for the rest of the day you swear that you will be alone because you are the moon. The end for now. Mm-hmm. Okay, why do you hate me so much is my question. <laughs> I, I mean, I know that I've killed a couple of your parents, um, but, like, can't you forgive me a little? I mean, I can, but I can never forgive Sid Vicious. Oh, God. Um, God, I'm gonna have to do so much editing on that shit, B, because this episode's about to be 500 hours long. I know, right? Oh, man. But until next time, B, where can people find you on the internet? Well, um, find me cursing Scotty's name on uh, the Twitter <laughs> or the Instagram at uh, B-R-E-N-N-A-S-A-U-R. An asshole. And you can... <laughs> oh, thank Sorry. you. And you... You can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And make sure to buy all my books on Amazon. The Queasel Corp Trilogy, BS versus the Gods. They're all available there. Or, of course, available on Audible. If you get a free 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash BS Network, you can get a free copy of one of my audiobooks for absolutely free. And then, of course, if you're on YouTube or Instagram, wherever you're watching, podcasting, whatever, make sure... To like, comment, subscribe, rate, send in fan fiction for our next episode, which, I mean, B, do you have something you want to do? Oh, God. Why would you ask me a question that I literally have not prepared for? That's not nice. I mean, just think what kind of movie you want to do next week, because you're also going to be writing the fan fiction. I don't, I don't know. You can't do I mean, I can just, I got you some, I got you a list. We could do Twilight. Frozen, Emperor's New Groove. We could always do Hamilton, Brenna. Oh my god, no. Brenna Hamilton. And that uh, list, it's gonna be Twilight, I'm just saying. Oh, I was also gonna add on Sherlock or John Cena. Um, <laughs> oh god. Yeah, just like a whole episode talking about John Cena. I mean, it's possible, but... Yeah. Um. So you want to do Twilight next week? Let's do it. All right, Brenna, I'm going to be real sad next week because we're going to do Twilight. Uh, And, of course, make sure to uh, check that episode out when it comes out. Send in your Twilight fan fiction if you'd love to. And then, of course, make sure to check out all the other BS Network programs at a load of pure BS dot com. You can find it all over there from Fight Boys to Opposite Attractions. Make sure to support us either at merch.aloadofpurebs.com or on our Patreon at patreon.com slash aloadofbs. But God, it's already been a long episode and I can't shill anymore. So until next time, Brenna, stay away from baby Hitler. And Scotty, because he's a life ruiner. <laughs>